0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 6. And this is an interesting story here. Very, very interesting. Because we've got something in Mark chapter 6 that you will really not find pretty much anywhere else in the Bible. Mark chapter 6. And this is, uh, it's it's a strange, strange thing. Mark chapter 6, because we realize, I mean, everybody would say, well, God can do anything. Well, you know, with God, all things are possible. But there are some things that God really will not and cannot do. And you're like, well, why would you say that? Well, one thing he can't do is God can't lie. So that's something that God cannot do. Uh, but but look at this, Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses five and six. And so here we have this story of Jesus everywhere. He went, he did miracles, right? You see him going to all these towns and he's raising the dead. He's, he's healing blind eyes. He's casting devils out. He's, he's doing all sorts of things. And so Jesus goes to his hometown and, and you'd think like, Oh man, if he can, if anywhere, something big is going to happen. It's going to be in Jesus hometown. He's going to go there. They love him. They've known him since he was a kid. Everybody, I mean, the power of God's going to fall. But strangely, when Jesus goes right here to his hometown of Nazareth, this is the one place that he was actually hindered and could not do what he wanted to do. You mean he wouldn't do? No. It says he could not do what he wanted to do. So Mark chapter six, verses five through six, it says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't, not he wouldn't, not he shouldn't, not he might. It says it's, Jesus could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And the Greek literally says people with a few minor ailments. So maybe a few guys with the sniffles, you know, got them dried up that day. But nothing major happened on this day of Jesus' ministry. And that's just shocking. Well, and, and look at verse six, it says "And he was amazed at their unbelief. So going back to verse five there, does it say because of Jesus had a, a power outage that day, Jesus had a shortage, Jesus wasn't feeling the vibes, Jesus, <laughs> me and Diana, but J- J- Jesus, he, he just it wasn't his day, man. It was a Monday and it was rainy. And, no. Why could Jesus not do any miracles? Because of their unbelief. Do you see the power in your belief or your unbelief? Do you see that your unbelief can totally shut the whole thing down? Jesus heals a blind person. He raises the dead over here. He he heals. He's doing all these miracles. And then he gets to, to gets to one of us and we just fought out our unbelief. Will shut the whole thing down. Jesus wanted to do miracles there. I can promise you, Jesus wanted to go to Nazareth and raise some dead. Jesus wanted to go to Nazareth and heal, heal some deaf people, some some blind people, uh, wanted to wanted to raise some children up and, and cast some devils out. He did it everywhere. But this time he was stopped in his tracks because of their unbelief. And then the verse 6 tells him, he was amazed. He was astounded. Can you imagine? I, I mean, I would love to amaze Jesus with something, but that's not what I want to amaze him with. Can you, can you imagine the look on his face? He's like, wow, I'm done. I can't do anything else here. I'm I'm done. Because of their unbelief. And so you're thinking, no, it doesn't matter if I really believe or not. Jesus will just overpower that. No, he won't. So many times and I'll show you tonight. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And so really, the answer to your situation, Jesus has the power, and he's willing and able, but a lot of it rests upon you. Whether you will really have faith, and you will really believe, even when it doesn't happen instantly. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you still have to have the faith. You still have to keep fighting the good fight of faith. You still have to keep reading, praying, confessing, sticking with it. Not giving up? Because sometimes you're in the battle for a little bit. Right? You ever been there? Or has all your prayers just got answered instantly? I, I've had some that didn't happen instantly. But it was never because Jesus didn't want to bail me out of my situation. It was never because He didn't have the power. Sometimes it's because I, I slipped into unbelief and I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Well, let's look at Mark chapter 9. You loved Mark chapter six so much. You might as well look at chapter nine, right? Mark chapter nine. So the goal tonight is to encourage you. I want to build you up, man. I want to build you up. I know some of you are facing some things you need built up. Mark chapter nine. And here we're going to look at verses 20 through 27. And here's a story that really tugs at you, especially if you're a parent. Here's a dad uh, with his son that was just in a bad situation. This boy was possessed of the devil. And the, the, this demon had such a hold of him. It was terrible. It would try to toss him into the water and drown him. It would try to toss him into fire when he was around fire. It was, I mean, it was a legit, not good situation. And so Mark chapter nine, starting at verse 20. So they, so they brought the boy, they brought him to Jesus. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Wow. I mean, that, that, that's some crazy stuff right there. That is a bad situation. Verse 21. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. Can you imagine, parents, your child dealing with this ever since they were just a baby? And here they are, an older kid now. And this happens all the time. What a bad situation. Look at this. Verse 22. He, the dad says, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Whoa. Airbag. Pump the brakes. Time out. He said, if you can. Look at this. Verse 23. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything's possible because I'm so awesome. No. Well, no. That's true, but that's not what he said. Anything is possible if a person believes. And so Jesus takes this situation and he puts it right back on Dad. Now, how many times do we say, "God, why won't you?" and "Why can't you?" And God said, "No, no, 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 no. Hey, I'll do it. Anything's possible, but you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to help me out a little bit here. You're going to have to do your part." And so often we don't want to do our part. We just want Jesus to come in and overwhelm us with his amazing power and love and grace and us not have to do anything. But that's not the way it works. You have a part to play in your deliverance. You have a massive part to play in your healing, in your restoration, in your miracle. You're going to have to obey what the Lord's telling you and what the word of God's telling you to do. And so Jesus said, if I can, hello, hello. Anything's possible, but you're going to have to believe, man. You're going to have to do your part. Verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now That kind of sounds like an oxymoron, like a contradiction there. You believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That sounds crazy until you can identify with being in that spot. I believe I've been in that spot before where I'm like, in my heart, I believe. But it, my head's telling me, no, no, it can't. No, not, no, no way. And you have to overcome the battle that's taking place in your mind. Your heart, which is your spirit, has to overpower your mind. The problem is your mind can speak pretty loud sometimes, can it? It can yell at you. It can scream at you in the night saying, no, not this time. But you have to get to the place where your belief overcomes your unbelief. Am I am I talking to the right group tonight? Is this you've been there? OK. And so verse twenty five, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Amen. Then the spirit screamed through the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And you see this in scripture. Sometimes the devil tries to take one last swing on his way out, but that's it. That's all he's got. And so, it left the boy. And the the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead, oh my gosh, look at that. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Look at that right there. Jesus. Here he was. The power was there the whole time, just like it is right now in this very night. But the dad had to plug back in with his belief. Jesus said, I'll do my part. You do your part. I'll provide the power. You provide the faith. You're responsible, right, for providing the faith. And so here it is in this situation. This dad identified that he was in unbelief. He was at least willing to admit it to Jesus and there's a whole lot of people. I know that they're fighting some bad battles, but they they're almost in denial. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. I know some people that they would never admit that they're not truly trusting God alone. But that's the fact of the matter. They're in denial. And they'll tell you all. I, I know you can quote Bible verses to them. I do the. I mean, all the time. I, you can quote Bible verses. And, I know what the word said. Yes, I believe that. But here I am. That's not the voice of faith. That's that is not what faith sounds like. Someone comes up to you and then spills all their problems out. Okay, I get that. But the Word of God says you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I know, and I do believe. But and and listen, that's somebody that their unbelief is overpowering the belief they do have. And they won't admit it. They'll stay in denial all day long. They will not admit it. But until you can admit it and say, you know what? I have been letting, I've I've been letting my mind overcome my heart. I've been letting the unbelief overpower the belief. I haven't been trusting in God. And hey, I'm man enough to admit that I have been there. I have done that. Maybe, maybe you've done that. I know you've done that. And so listen to me. Unbelief will pull the plug on the power of God. Let's look at Colossians one twenty-three. Colossians 1.23. And man, I love this verse. This is a good, good verse. I encourage you, man. Highlight this one. Make little stars beside it. Draw a little pony or a buck or something beside it. Just you want it to stand out. Colossians chapter one, verse twenty three. Colossians one verse twenty three. Amen. Who was glad to be in the house of God on Wednesday night? Man, there's no place like it. Colossians 1 and verse 23. And it tells us this. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Do you know what it means to stand firm? Have you ever stood firm have you ever just planted your feet and stood firm? Someone may come up and, and and shove at you. Someone may the wind may come. But if your feet are planted, you're not. I mean, you're not going. You're, you're planted. You're ready for it. But if you're just casually standing there, I mean, a two year old can come up and just push you right over. You're not planted. But it tells us right here. No, you got to continue to believe this truth. You have to stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received. Let's say that together. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. That's the gospel. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. Is there anybody in here that you heard the word of God and it brought some assurance to your heart? It brought some faith to your heart when you heard it. But we've all been in that place. Where we, we had the assurance, but we started to drift away. You know what I mean? You read a good Bible verse while your TV show was on break. It was on commercial break, right? And, oh, yes, I got it, Lord. Amen. And then the answer doesn't come by the next commercial break. You're like, I guess nothing happened. I don't know. Or, Man, I've been praying for this for a whole 24 hours. <laughs> here, we, here we are. We're going on three days. And I still, I mean, nothing's changed. I guess it, you start to drift. And at one point you were assured, man, you were absolutely convinced. But then you didn't stand firm in the truth that you received and you started to drift away. Is there anybody in here that that's happened? That's happened to me where I was convinced and then it didn't happen within 72 hours. So I just started drifting. And next thing you know, I'm so far over here that I am in unbelief. I pulled the plug on the power and then here I am like, oh, I guess God didn't hear it. or I guess God's not going to. And here we are in this bad situation that we shouldn't be in. But you cannot drift away from the assurance that you received when you first heard the word of God on the situation. And this verse right here, I believe it's telling us this is our answer to why so many people aren't seeing more results in their life. Who would like to get better results in your faith fights we I'm sure we could all be getting better results in our faith fights. The reason that we're not is because we're not really sticking to our guns. Is there anything in your life that you are very firmly planted in? Nobody could change your mind on it. You got I mean, you're planted. There is a line that shall not be crossed. You have you have uh, I mean, whether it's a, uh, you know, hopefully you have some moral uh boundaries that no matter what anybody else does. This line will not be crossed in this household or in my life. I, you, you can, you all do you, but uh, this, uh, no, this is off limits. You can't touch this, right? You should have something like that. You should have something like that. You'll stick to your guns. I have some things. You know, people laugh at me about, make fun of me. There's a few institutions that I have. Pers- I don't preach about or tell people, but there's a few. Uh, uh, Stores and places that I personally boycott and will not go to. And, and I have some of you church members have laughed at me about it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I don't go in there because they, they've done this and, and I don't agree with that. And pff, you've laughed at me. And that's fine. I don't, I don't care. But the thing is, I don't care if that's off limits. I will not do it. Will not. You can't change my mind on it. And you need to get that way with the Word of God. You prayed about something. You got a Bible verse to go with it. You get convinced in your heart. Even if it doesn't happen within the time frame you thought, you stick to your guns. When people say you're a fool, not going to happen. When your circumstances say you're a fool, give up. You will not win this time. You say, nope, not touching this. I am going to win. I am going to overcome this. You're not crossing this boundary I am going to win and I'm not giving up. I will not give up. But you better have some things like that in your life. You better have some things that you're willing to give it all for. And so, number one, unbelief will pull the plug on the power of God in your life. The second thing I'm going to say is this, is let God be God. Let God, let God do his job in your life. Let God be God and and, and you quit trying to be God. You're a lousy God. You're a terrible Lord. I mean, you're good at you. You're good at being the best you that God created you to be. But you're an awful God. And, and, and that sounds funny. But a whole lot of people, they're pretty much their own shepherd. You know, I've said it. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. it mean, means I have everything I need right there. But for a lot of us, I am my shepherd. I want a lot of things that I, I, I am in want. And, and you know, that sounds twisted and it is twisted, but you look to yourself, you look to your money, you look to your power, you look to your intelligence, you look to your ability, you look to your resources, you look to your internet and phone and Google way before you look to Jesus. And yes, I am preaching better than you're shouting tonight. Yes, I am. I am. That's a good word for somebody right there. You, you feel sick and you go and Google the symptoms and you self-diagnose yourself, yourself with stage six cancer or whatever with your paper cut and you didn't even go to God yet. Well, God, I've got cancer. Why you got a paper cut, dude? You know, but you're, you're already going to God and you, you've got yourself killed off basically and, and you didn't even consult God first. And I know probably the majority of people do that. So amen, come on. We got some honest people in here. I know people do that. I've done stupid things like that. And then and then all of a sudden you got to try to make up some ground because you've planted so much unbelief that you've got to do double time to get the belief back into where it needs to be. But you need to let God be God. And so we're going to look at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Let's flip over there. John chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 17, John chapter 11. <clears throat> This is the story of Lazarus. Now, uh, if you're not familiar, Jesus had a very good friend named Lazarus. And he became really sick. And Lazarus had these two sisters, Mary and Martha. You know this? And so they send out for Jesus saying, hey, Lazarus, he's very sick. It looks like he's going to die. And and so Jesus tells his disciples, they're all like, we better get over there. Lazarus is like, he's one of your best friends. We better get over there right now. And Jesus says, no, don't worry. His sickness isn't going to end in death. And so Jesus intentionally delays two whole days before he actually goes over there. So Jesus delays for two whole days before he gets over there. And during that delay, Lazarus died. And sometimes it seems like, man, there's a delay going on in my life somewhere. Well, hey, I don't know. But there's this delay. Jesus delays two days and then Lazarus dies and you're thinking, well, too late now he's dead. And so Jesus gets there. And, uh, and I mean, it's just by, by the time that Jesus gets there, he's been dead for four days. So it's just, it's not good at all. So John chapter 11, verse 11, then he said, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'm going to go and wake him up. Uh, Denial's not just a river in egypt jesus <laughs> he's dead okay he is dead but the disciples said well lord if he's sleeping he's going to get better really soon they thought jesus meant lazarus really was simply sleeping but jesus meant lazarus had died and so jesus can tell that they're not getting it so he he tells them plainly lazarus is dead can you imagine jesus like okay you guys aren't getting it let, let me he died he he is dead <laughs> He had to get very blunt with these guys because they weren't getting it. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now, you all ever heard of Doubting Thomas? Well, here's another instance of Doubting Thomas putting his foot in his his mouth. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. What? Come on. What? Because they wanted to kill Jesus in Judea at that time, and so yes, there was a there was a hit out on Jesus' head at that moment. But Thomas, Jesus says, "We're going to go raise Lazarus up," and Thomas is like, "Yippee, let's go!" Like, come, what a friend! What kind of a friend is that? I mean, good lord! And so anyway, uh, 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And so bad situation just got worse. Skip down to verse 23. Verse 23. And so the sisters are they're crying for Jesus and all this stuff. Jesus tells Martha and Mary, he says, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. So she's saying, I know like when the rapture happens, he'll rise. I don't have a problem believing that. But Jesus, he, Jesus he, he says one of the most powerful things he ever said. It's one of the seven I am's in the book of John. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Man, that's a big statement. Anyone who believes in me, they will live Even after they die, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will actually never, ever die. What? If you've never heard this stuff before, this is mind blowing. But can you and I'm telling you the same thing tonight. If you believe in Jesus, you will never, ever die. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Everybody died. Yeah, physical death. Your body will die. But your spirit, that's all there is for a Christian. You realize that a Christian dies once And lives forever. The non-Christian dies twice. They die physically. And then they die spiritually. Every day. For the rest of eternity. Someone that was in hell 200 years ago. They're still there right now. Somebody that was in hell. When Christopher Columbus sailed over here in 1492. They're still in hell right now. And they'll still be in hell 600 years from now. 700. You are there. And you die day after. After day, after day for the Christian, Jesus says, well, hey, you'll actually live even after you die. In fact, you believe in me, you'll never, ever die. It's talking about your spirit. Yes, this body will die at some point. But your spirit will live forever if you believe in Jesus. That's a pretty good deal right there. And so do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe it? And he's asking you the same thing tonight. Do you really believe what I'm saying right now? Jesus is asking you right now, November 28th, 2018. Did, do you really believe me, Martha? Do you really believe me, sister sitting out here on a Wednesday night, brother? Do you really believe it? Or are you just nodding your head? And so, And so, yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And so Jesus, <clears throat> he's working on their faith, building them up. Skip down to verse 39. This is a long story, so I couldn't read 50 verses. So I'm just cutting it up here. But skip down to verse 39. And so Jesus, he gets up there to the grave, to the tomb where Lazarus is. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, he just got her finally in faith. She protests, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell's going to be terrible. Are you serious? Do you want him back or not? You're worried about the details? This is the same Martha that worried about the details when Jesus was at their house. Mary sat at his feet and heard him preach. Martha was worried about dinner. She's got some, she's got some, uh, OCD issues. You know what I mean? She, she's a type A personality. She's a control freak. Anyone? Got any of you out there tonight? Okay. I know, don't raise your hand because I know who you are. But anyway. But here we, I mean, she's just a little control freak. Like, Okay I'm going to raise your brother and you're afraid about the smell? Man, chill. And so anyway, here we go. She's protesting. Jesus responded, "Oh, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? If I can raise the dead, I can provide some, you know, I can change the smell, I can put a sencey in, I can do something." I mean, dear God, Martha just shut up and sit down and get out of the way. And so, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they'll believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. There it is. And can you imagine that scene? You've literally got a mummy walking out of a cave. This guy, I mean, that's what we've got here. He's wrapped head to toe in grave clothes and he's walking out. I mean, wouldn't that just be, this would be an absolutely incredible thing to witness. And it all came down to Jesus said, listen, you all got to get out of the way. Just believe. But can you do that for me? Can you believe That I am the resurrection and the life. Can you believe that I can take care of this situation? And so for us, we need to stand back sometimes. we got to do our part, but you better let God do his part too. You need to quit trying to do God's part. Your part is believe. His job is provide power. Do you get that? This isn't rocket science. This is very, I mean, when you break it down, it's honestly very basic stuff. You believe he provides the power. You believe. You believe and watch it happen. And sometimes it takes more than just a few minutes. Second Chronicles 16, nine. I'm just going to have him put it on the screen because I am running out of time quickly. Second Chronicles 16, nine. Please write it down. This is in the new King James. It says for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart. Is loyal to him. That's a great verse right there. Look at that. The eyes of the Lord are they're running all over the earth. He's looking for someone that he wants to show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for somebody to bless. God's looking for somebody to deliver. God's looking for somebody to do a miracle for. But he's looking for those whose heart is loyal to him. Is your heart loyal to him? Is your heart really? Is it fixed on Him, or is your heart fifty percent Him, fifty percent your politician? Your, you know, is it fifty percent your money, fifty percent Jesus? Is it fifty percent what, or is your heart one hundred percent fixed on Jesus? Because his eyes, they're looking everywhere. He's like, man, I want to bless somebody. Man, I want to do a miracle. Man, I, I, I want to go and deliver somebody right now. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. His eyes are looking all over the whole earth to show himself strong on someone's behalf. And I'm saying, Jesus, look in Barstow because I'm right here. Hey, yeah, I'm ready. My heart is loyal to you. And I know you can say the exact same thing, but he wants to do a big, big thing in your life. Whatever it is that you're facing tonight, Jesus wants it fixed more than you want it fixed. Can you believe that? Whatever your problem is, Jesus wants it fixed more than you want it fixed. So the third thing I'm going to say is this, is that with belief in God, anything is possible. There is no situation that's too far for Jesus. Uh, There There is no situation that is too far, too beyond Jesus' ability and willingness to help. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 28. And again, I caution us from being so familiar with this type of a verse that we say, I know that, yes, with God all things. I get it, I get it. No, you have to have this established in your heart. I'm teaching a class on Sunday mornings right now before church. Uh, called Spiritual Foundations. And I told this group, I said, like, hey, I'm not in here to impress you with groundbreaking theology. I'm here to reinforce basic Christianity in your heart. Because so many of us have been in this for so long. So many of us have heard these verses so many times that we get it in our heads, but we have drifted in our heart from it. Yes, with God, all things are possible. Amen. But how am I going to take care of this situation right now? I don't I don't know. Your heart is drifted whether you realize it or not you've got to get this Matthew chapter 9 we're going to look at verses 28 through 30 And here we have a couple of blind guys come up to Jesus and ask for for healing So Matthew 9 verse 28 it says they went right into the house where he was staying and Jesus asked them do you believe I can make you see Do you believe? And I'm telling you he's asking you the same thing tonight you're saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, get me out of this one. And he's saying, do you believe that I can do it? Yes, Lord, I believe. No. Do you really believe? Honestly, be honest with me. This is what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying, be honest with me. Be, get real. Do you really believe that I can do this? Honestly. And so he asked them that. Yes, Lord, they told him. We do believe. We do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. He warned them, don't tell anyone about this, because at the time he didn't want everybody knowing who he was. But listen to me. He says, do you believe? And then he says something else. Because of your faith, it has happened. Why didn't he say, because of my power? Why didn't he say, you know, because I'm so amazing and I'm the almighty and I'm the prince of peace and the everlasting God. He could have said any of those things, but he says, all right, you said you believed. And then he touched them. Then they got healed. And he said, this happened because you believed.' Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. And I'm telling you, with God, all things are possible without God. Not very many things are possible. We live in a pretty dark world. Not that many things are possible without God. But with God, anything can happen. Any situation can be turned around. Anything. And so the last verse I'm going to look at is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. But any situation can be turned around with God. Oh, man. You've got to realize that. You've got to get that in your heart. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a story... I've shared this before. It's not me personally, but um, a, a preacher in Colorado, Andrew Womack, his uh, his son, and I share this on a Sunday morning, I've never shared it on a Wednesday night, but his son, when he was uh, like 23 years old, he wandered off into the wrong crowd, and he got mixed in with drugs, and he, he died of a drug overdose one night. He literally, he he took too much and he died. And he was, the hospital calls dad, Andrew Womack, famous preacher, says, hey, we've got your son. We just want to let you know that he's died. Do you want to come see him? And so he was several hours away in Colorado Springs. He drives three... By the time he gets there, his son is in the morgue with a sheet over him and a toe tag on his toe pronounced dead by the doctor. He's... we're not. He, he, is, he is dead. He's actually dead. And so... It, and, and he had been dead for five or six hours by the time Andrew Wommick got there. And the whole time... He was praying the whole way there, and, he, and, and and see, he was prepared before the storm came. He didn't just say, oh, my gosh, my son's dead. I, I better start reading the Bible right now, right now. No, he'd been pumped up for years. He'd been built up. He was ready way before the attack ever came. He gets there, and the rest is history. He raises his son from the dead, and his son is totally, instantly healed, raised from the dead, back to life. And here he is, like 15 years ago now, but here he is now, he's got kids, he's got a family, he's got a, he's, and he's doing great. I'm telling you, you're so, well, my situation is, apos- that's about the most impossible one that I've ever heard of, but it actually happened. Because somebody, they were built up, they were ready way before the attack ever came. And so... It's, it, this stuff is real, and with God all things are possible. Hebrews 11.1, one, I love this in the New Living Translation, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Are you confident that what you hope for will actually happen? It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. I love that. It gives us a, a confidence about the things that we hope for it gives us an assurance about the things we cannot see and so you may be praying for something and you're absolutely convinced and people are saying you're nuts why are you so confident? Hey my faith man I, I'm absolutely assured I you mean you've seen you've seen the answer to this I've never seen it before never in my life I've never seen the answer I didn't say that then why are you so happy because I'm confident I'm convinced I'm assured that what I hope for is going to actually happen I've got faith. That's what faith is. It is an assurance about something that you cannot see. It's confidence that what you hope for is actually going to happen. And I'm telling you, man, if you've you've got hope, that's the first step. Hope precedes faith. Faith is a better thing to have than just hope. But you got to start with hope. If you've lost hope, you're in a very bad situation. Very, very bad. But if you've got at least that little spark of hope, You've at least got that. You hang on to that. And listen, you stand on the word. It's going to turn into faith. And faith is going to turn into an absolute miracle in your life. Don't lose hope. And don't lose faith. And I promise you, with God, all things are possible. Only believe. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast.